Welcome to Mary Liar Talks, a podcast that discusses mental health and spiritual well-being. Before we jump in, there may be episodes that are particularly sensitive for some listeners. And if that applies, then I hope you'll be able to join me whenever you feel ready and able. In today's episode, I'm with guest Mildred Tallaby, who is used to being in the spotlight. Mildred is a LinkedIn top voice and visibility coach, the founder of a community for women in business and leadership, and is the author of several books. This time, we put the spotlight on what it can take to battle through a serious health condition, and Mildred shares her experience of how she recovered from a brain tumour and what helped her along the way. Let's have a listen. Um, like this journey that you went through, it started off by you actually collapsing outside of work um, some years ago. When was that? And tell us um, what happened afterwards. Yeah, sure. So, so I am. Um, this was going back to 2019. Now, September 2019. The actual day was the second of September 2019. Um, a day I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I, I collapsed um, outside of work. My um, workmate, one of my workmates, had managed to call her. She found me in the car park, um, hanging out my car vomit everywhere kind of thing just in a right state I was unconscious by the time they got there um so the journey to get into that place actually began a few months earlier okay. um, from that place um it was a, a one day in May I think it was towards the end of May I kind of woke up and I wasn't fine going about my business in the day and then about in the afternoon I felt like this pain like on the back of my neck on, mm-hmm. on my head it was just like this throbbing pain that came out of nowhere. It was just hurting that area. I'm like, what is this? Did I did I sleep wrong? Did I twist my mm-hmm. neck while I was sleeping? And then I'm like, if that was the case, then that would have that pain would have come as soon as I woke up, not hours later. You know, mm-hmm. so I just did what most of us do when we have any kind of pain. I find some painkillers, I pop them, I thought maybe this will help. And it didn't help. You know, the the pain didn't go away. And it it was literally like at one point it was like I was having a seizure almost. It would come on me in waves. It would kind of Mm -hmm. fade and then it would come on really strong. And I would be like, don't touch me, don't touch me. One time I I fell on the floor, My both my girls were there. And I was like, mommy's okay, mommy's okay. But it was like this pain was just shooting through my body, through my neck. I've never experienced anything like that before. And that pain persisted for that day, the next day, the day after that, the day after that, the day after that. It went on daily for months. Um, um, it was literally for a long time. And, and did you yeah, get it checked out then? Um, well, I did everything. I went to doctors several times. I went to A&E, called 111, called every, everything I could do. At one point, they... They checked everything and they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And then they, one time they prescribed me, like I had like 15 pills I was supposed to be taking in one day um, each time. And I'm not big on pills anyway. And I was like, Mm. after trying it once, I was like, no, this is not happening. I'm not going to live like this. So I ended up going um, private to an osteopath. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it was a neck issue, yes. Yeah. And that was the only thing that actually brought relief temporarily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. After I had, I ended up going to weekly sessions for a bit and it would give me temporary relief, but that pain never fully went away. And at this point, the hospital 
had referred me to a neurologist, but my appointment was in November. And remember, this started in May, and we're about a month into this now. My appointment, the, the earliest they could find for me was in November. I was mm. like, what am I supposed to do with myself between now and then? And But that was just the situation until that day that we spoke about at the beginning. I wasn't fully self-employed at the time. I was still juggling both worlds. So I was driving into work. I was mm. there going on the motorway, super fast speeds and I'm just like I don't feel too good I don't feel too good and then off the motorway I go down country roads um in Kent and they are kind of narrow roads if you know country roads it's like as I'm going down I couldn't see the cars coming the other way until they'd gone past it was like I was just feeling like whoosh I was like what was that some by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ I managed to end up at work collapsed outside of work in the car park, sent some garbled message to one of my workmates. Apparently, I tried to call. Initially, I tried to call a taxi to take me to hospital. I don't know what oh. I was thinking. <laughs> you know, no. the taxi was like, call an ambulance, you know. So, oh. yeah, somehow I, I I ended up in the car park without being run over or getting into a car crash. And that was where it's like my colleagues found me and I woke up in, in an ambulance on the way to hospital. So yeah gosh that's even that bit you've just explained sounds very dramatic you know it could have been so much worse you know just the fact that you were journeying going through motorways high speed country lanes um and you managed to get to the hospital you know yeah yeah that's uh that's amazing that stands out for me just in terms of what you said the grace the grace of god that that Mm -hmm. kept you I guess then I'm assuming that the next thing that you remember, was it waking up after the surgery? No. Oh. So it wasn't, the surgery didn't happen straight away. So okay. I, the first, I woke up at the first hospital I went, I was taken to, um, so in East Surrey Hospital and they were like, okay, we found something, um, but we're not entirely sure what it is. And because we're not as sophisticated equipment wise, we're going to send you to this other hospital, St. George's Hospital in London, which was some miles away, um, because they're specialists in head stuff, you know. Sure. So they took me in another ambulance, sent me to St. George's Hospital. By that time, my husband arrived and stuff. And when we got to the hospital and they did all their tests, they were like, Sorry to tell you this, but we found a brain tumor. You know, you have a brain tumor. So mm. I'm like, what? You know? Sure. And yeah, and they were like, you're you can't go home. <laughs> you know, we have to kind of hospitalize you and and stay here. So it wasn't a it was a benign tumor, which mm-hmm. basically means the difference is, is it doesn't spread um, mm. quickly. So it was located in that one place in the back of my head. It was like about the, you know, the size of a, I can't remember how they described the size. Everything was like a a blur. You know, you're hearing it and it's like a brain tumor. Mm. You're in shock and they're saying lots of stuff and I'm still trying to Taking it in, processing it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm still trying to process. So, yeah, and I ended up staying in hospital for that entire month of September. Um, The first couple of weeks, almost a couple of weeks was leading up to the surgery, getting me ready, blood tests, all kinds of stuff that was needed. And then the last few weeks was recovering from the surgery. I had a six-hour surgery, um, spent three days in intensive care. And then from there, just kind of, recovering and getting physio help to kind of get back on my feet before they let me back out um into my real life you know right wow so okay so I mean tell me about that 
recovery process. So you had the six hour surgery and, you know, I guess some that rehabilitation. Tell me about the recovery process and how you were able to um, overcome those emotional and psychological challenges during that recovery process. Because, you know, um, like you said earlier, just even hearing about um, brain tumor, that was a lot to take in and process. So how was that recovery process for you in terms of your emotional and psychological, the challenges that you had to overcome? Yeah, sure. So um, I've always been somebody who kind of, I'm a glass half full person, Okay, you know, so <laughs> yeah. um, that that's the thing. And um and and I'm and I'm also a Christian. Um, and my faith is a major part of who I am and how I get through life. You know, my mm-hmm. faith in Jesus is like a big part of it. So, um, the the very first reaction I had actually when they told me about the brain tumor was one of relief. You know, because yeah, I had lived in pain for so long, and that pain was really bad. Like it was so hard to describe to anybody. Like it was. At one point when I was at work, I would I would literally run to the toilet every time this thing came over me. And I, it was like I was having a fit. And they must mm. be thinking, this girl keeps going to the toilet. She must drink mm. a lot of water, which I did anyway. So it was a good cover. But yeah. several times a day, I would be running into the toilet. So anyway, so that, so that first thing was relief. And then it was kind of like... And I guess it was relief because you had had identified what the cause was rather than wondering what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Because a lot of the frustration of the whole being medicated is that whole thing of I was like, I don't want these 15 pills because you're trying to treat a symptom. You're not. You're not giving me the cause. I want to know the cause. Why is my head hurting? Why is my neck hurting? You know, what is going on? So that gave me the answer that I'd been looking for for months. So Mm. it was like, everything's okay now. And then it was, so that was the first reaction. Then the second thing was like, what, what, why? And then obviously there's, the well, not all of us, but that the next question is like, but why, Lord? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, why, yeah. why, why me? Why a brain tumor? Why this? Why, you know, and, and still it's like, I never got an answer for the why, but that I realized afterwards, the why doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the why, it's what you make of it. Adversity happens to all of us. Whether you're Christian or not, it doesn't matter. We're going to go through life and we're going to go through things in life. It's like, how do you respond when adversity hits? Not mm-hmm. if it hits, but when. Because mm-hmm. every single one of us will go through something. Maybe not as traumatic as a brain tumor, but we're going to go through something. And it's like now is the opportunity for to really see what you're kind of made of, you know. Mm. So funnily enough, like when I first got to the hospital and, and, and I journal on stuff and I was talking to God about it, and it's like, um, I was like, why is this happening? Like, like how should I treat, react to this? And one of the things that I felt really strongly was, okay, was like this whole idea of like, he said, like, rest, Mildred, rest. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll give you a little snapshot of my life before then. I was mum of two, busy yeah. mum of two girls. My kids were at the time, my oldest was about to start school. So she was four and my little one was three. And then I got my husband at home. I was running a business on the side and working full time. My mm-hmm. life was full on. You know, it was busy. 
So this was like for the first time in a long time that I actually got to do nothing, mm. you know. And I was in the first two weeks leading up to like the um, operation, the surgery, I was in hospital that, and I love the doctors and nurses at St. George's Hospital. I'm begging mm. you guys up. They, they took <laughs> such good care of me. Aww. Like three times a day, I was getting meals served, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you at home, it. I cooked the meals three exactly. times a day. <laughs> so that's one example of the rest during that period. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and so like that perspective really shifted that first two weeks, which could have been I could have spent that time worrying or like what's gonna yes, happen, yes, all yeah. of that kind of stuff. But I was like, you know what? I'm I'm actually gonna rest. I'm gonna enjoy mm. the rest period, and I'm gonna rest. And that's what I did for those first two weeks. Brilliant. You know, and that's because that's mm. what you felt God was had was saying to you at that time. And yes. you, yeah, okay, definitely. Yeah. And and perspective matters a lot in life. How you approach things. There's two people can go through the exact same thing, but the difference yeah. is how you view what you go through. True. You know, so yeah. I could definitely have sat there and felt like, oh my God, I think a hundred and one thoughts about, oh my God, I'm going to die or am I going to mm. die or what's going to happen, all of that. And not to say that there wasn't any period where I was like, what is happening, you know, and actually that came, that came more after the operation because as well, I've always been like an independent person. I'm like a get up and go kind of thing. I'm going around, I'm doing things, I'm living life. I'm not sitting down watching EastEnders, you know, I've got mm. things to do. <laughs> so after the surgery, I'm there trying to get up and go again, like Mildred normally could, and I couldn't. And that's when it really hit home that something major had happened because like I'm trying to walk and my legs don't want to come with me. Wow. So mm. I'm ending up on the floor. And mm. one minute I'm talking to you, the next mm. minute I'm waking up from talking to you because I've blacked right. out. And mm. I don't remember what's happened in the last two, three minutes because I'm just gone. Mm. You know, so it's like all of these things where I, I, I lost control of myself and that was scary for a season. You know, it was scary and it was upsetting. And it was like, what is going on? I don't understand. And how can I get back to being me again? Mm -hmm. And that was the journey that took a long time. Well, not a long time, because my doctor always said every time he saw me, my surgeon's like, you're doing so great. You know, you're like ahead of where we think you should be. But you to know? you, it was a to long me, time. It took yes. a long time. To yeah. me, it took a long time. Yeah. You know, I'm going to take go back to when you were asking about why. Why me, Lord? So behind that question of why, was it because you were praying or you, you know, you were a believer? You know, what was behind the reason why you questioned why me, Lord? Yeah. So I've been, I've been a Christian since the age of 19 is when I gave my life to Jesus. I became a born again Christian. And it's like, and I've kind of walked closely with God, mm -hmm. I would say, since that time. So it was like, there's this, I will call it a false idea that a lot of us have in Christianity that if you're a child of God it means bad things don't happen won't happen and can't yeah. happen to you mm -hmm. you know so but actually in the Bible Jesus says you will go through many trials but I have overcome them all you will overcome mm -hmm. so we will go through trials but we will overcome mm -hmm. you know so I was of that thinking of why should this happen to me like kind of mm -hmm. thing I mean like 
why I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And, you know, so that's where, that's where the root of that came from, which I came to understand is not, that's not right. That's not correct. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe natural reaction. God went angry with me or anything for asking. There's a natural reaction, but yes, it's like, that's the wrong focus. The focus isn't why. And now four years on, looking back at all the things that have happened as a result of that one incident, all mm-hmm. the people's lives that have been touched for me sharing the story, mm-hmm. it's like that has been a blessing, you know, that I didn't ask for, <laughs> that I didn't want, <laughs> you know, even how I... The, the, the strength that I discovered in myself that I didn't know that I had in me, mm-hmm. all of that came through this whole, this one trial. So mm-hmm. the, the, the good, there's so much good that has come out of that bad situation that would never have come had that bad situation not happened. Got you, got you, yeah. So like you were talking about that, let's call it that rehabilitation process, that time of rest where after the surgery, literally you were forced to um, slow down and um, almost like pace yourself really. Mm. So what would you say was um, the breakthrough moments or the turning points that really stand out to you during that recovery journey? Yeah, so um, it was, it was, and I really want to, I am so grateful that at that period of my life, so many people rallied around me. It was mm. unbelievable. The kind of love that I felt and the, you know, not just from my my immediate family, my husband and my kids, you know, though my, my kids came to visit me in the hospital and I'm, mm. I'm all like tubed up, you know, mm. wires everywhere. My yes. older one, like she wouldn't come near me because she was just, she was yes. scared that she would she would yeah. hurt me, you know, oh, kind of thing. Okay, so she kind okay. of kept her distance when my little one, he was very much my hugger, was like, mommy, what's going on? Kind of, you know. Mm. So, but it was like just the whole way, like everybody, I, I felt such love and support from my family, my friends, my community, like mm. my church group, people came, visited my, literally my neighbors. Like I, I had some neighbors who, would walk with me because at that time my older one started school and she was going my little one was in nursery and the nursery was like walking distance from my house but the primary school my husband had to drive her so it was me and the little one and but I couldn't walk her to school on my own because Mm. for the first three months I would be blacking out and fainting randomly Mm. you know so it was actually dangerous you know so like I had neighbors who came and took shifts and to walk with me to the nursery. It was like a three minute walk. But in the beginning, I could barely make those three minutes, mm-hmm. you know, just like getting back on my feet. So like all of that coming together, it was just, you know, and people who've never prayed in their life before was like, I'm praying for you because we have to pull through, mm-hmm. you know. So it was just beautiful how everybody and everyone came together in that season of my life again something that I wouldn't have been so conscious of just how loved I was Mm. had I not gone through this you know something like this so it was another standout moment um so about three months after this so this has all happened I came home in first week of October so October, November, December is coming up to like the new year time. And that period is my favorite period of the year, that crossover between the one year and the other. You know, just you're making mm. like plans for the new year and sure. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And at this point, I was I was just about walking properly again, you mm. know, 
Before this, I used to run like I used to do jogging and on a fairly regular basis, you know, fairly fit. And I used to do 5K part runs. Mm -hmm. And obviously I hadn't been able to run, you know, for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I said to myself, I was like, I want to be able to run again. Like come January, I want to be able to run again, you know. So um, I think it was my husband who who showed me, but I got, I downloaded this app called Couch to 5K. <laughs> well, I haven't completed it, but I, yeah. I've tried it. <laughs> I'm giving yes. myself away now. <laughs> yes, that yeah. thing helped me that, yes. massively, right. massively. Yeah. So literally I used that app and within, I think it was an eight week period, however yeah. long the app following the program, I went from barely walking to being able to run oh, a wow. 5K you know and that was like such a massive achievement for me you know because a few months earlier I was fainting non-stop and here I was running and so yeah so that is just like it's that whole thing of you don't quite know what you're capable of until you have no choice but to do whatever it is but to show yourself to conquer yourself as I posted about today on LinkedIn you know yeah. yeah, I feel like giving you a high five, you know, because <laughs> some people who have downloaded that app, they haven't even completed it. And yet you were able to do that just months after what you went through. So, yeah, that that's um, an amazing breakthrough, really. Yeah, Thank that you. just I'll shows. Take the high five. Let's do yeah, it. <laughs> let's do... <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. You, you mentioned about that support system. So your friends and family and how they played that role. So it was things like just even the simple things that meant a lot to you and had that big impact, but maybe not so big to them, like walking, you know, walking alongside you when you're taking your daughter to school, yeah. um, praying. Were there, other, were there other ways that you really did feel that love from your support system? Yeah, so I had friends. Like one of my friends, Vida, hey, hey, she <laughs> used to make me food. Okay. You know, because yeah. after a while I got bored of hospital food and I'm like, yes. you know, oh, not sandwiches again. Not this so she'll bring, it, she'll bring it to the hospital. And make, she would make me like, um, she's, she's, she's Ghanaian. She would make like Ghanaian rice and chicken and all of this. And it was heaven. You know, so just to eat that stuff. My mom would make me food. She, I'm Nigerian. She'll make me like Nigerian food because they know that in hospital you ain't getting no culture. Mm, food. No, no, no. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, was, yeah. It was nice for a while, but I'm like, okay, I miss After me something while, of love for certain, you know? Yeah, sure. So, okay. so, yeah, they would bring food and, and things like that. One of my friends, like, because one of my worries when I did end up in hospital was my daughter was about to start school, the oldest one. And I was like, I was I had all these plans to do her hair and stuff. I'm like, who's going to do her hair? Because mm. my husband can't do hair, obviously. Mm. You know, mm. so one of my friends, they live in Hastings and we were in Kent. They would drive down once a week and then she'd come and do both my girls' hair. Oh, wow. You know, wow. and that was just like amazing, you know, yeah. literally mm. amazing. Um, So... All of those kind of little things and then just neighbors checking on me, like just knocking, are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, the the church group came down. They brought food as well, you know. So, and they fed my husband while I wasn't there as well. My husband and kids, the people were cooking for them. So home was sorted so I could truly kind of just focus on my own recovery. Yeah. Which really helped massively. Sure. Like one of the things you mentioned was about how you were still having these blackouts, Mm. even up post-op, right? 
Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know what was causing those blackouts. Did Was it explained? Um, and then my, I guess my second following question is really about, did those blackouts get less frequent over time until it stopped? Um, yes. Yeah. 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 The blackouts was part of the side effects because the part of where they removed the tumor from is connected to like, it was close to like my spine or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if it had gone any which way, the other way, I may not have been able to walk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and but it's part of that, the part that my brain, but it's not the part of my brain that controls my thinking and mm-hmm. all of that. So I was still able to think, to reason all that. It was my mobility that was affected because that's mm-hmm. where it was um, closer to. So I think they, the doctor said the blackout is just one of the side effects of it. It's your body just getting back used to functioning properly mm-hmm. again because this thing's been taken out. There's like it's healing. That mm-hmm. part of your body, I still have the scar here. So I, I touch it to remember, remind myself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so it was just... It was the frequency of it. Um, it. It was it was scary to begin with because I would never know when it was going to yeah, happen. Yeah. Like, like I said, I'd literally be mid-conversation maybe. And I, but I was talking slow as well, slower, mm. because my brain is just like functioning again. It took about three months until it, they started getting less and less, but it took mm-hmm. three months from the time of the surgery till I had the last blackout because I was recording every time it happened. Right. And then, yeah, after three months, it's, that was, I'm like, oh my God, I haven't had one, I haven't had one, I haven't right. had one. Oh my God, they're actually gone. So, yeah, that was, as I started to recover, those things would go away. Some of the other symptoms would go away as well that I had I used to have like tingling sensations all over my legs constantly from the top mm. to the bottom those gradually started to go um I've got like tiny tiny little bits left on my feet um from mm. there but it, it doesn't bother me or anything like that so it's just yeah my body gradually started to recover with time with rest with some medication and you know, and just, I also try to push myself sometimes a bit too much, you know, um, my husband would be like, don't do that. Stay here. Don't let me carry up here. I'm like, oh, uh, no, no, no. So, uh, you know, so yeah, but eventually we got there, you know. Sure. And it seems like that three month period was that big milestone in terms of the symptoms going, generally speaking, and um almost like back to normal yeah no it definitely wasn't back to normal but the worst okay. symptoms left right okay after okay. the three-month period okay. you know so I remember after that in January um because I wasn't allowed to drive either for yes. a year um after up to a year afterwards okay. so I, I became a civilian again you know so I, I remember the first time I had to go into, in January, I had to go back into London from Kent to go and see my surgeon to for, for my first checkup. And it was like that whole journey was just like a really surreal experience. The first time I'd gone that far on my own, mm-hmm. you know, since the operation. So there was all this kind of, am I going to be okay? Am I going to mm-hmm. faint? Because I just mm-hmm. I just finished fainting the, the, a few mm-hmm. weeks for that you know but I was able to kind of make that journey and Mm. come back home in one piece on the train you know Mm. on the train so that was like little things became big wins you know so that was a big win 
one of the things I couldn't do prior to the brain, um, the, the opera, for some reason, I can't sit on the train, like going the other, when it's facing the other way. Right. Okay. You know, okay. like it just used to mess with my head for whatever mm. reason. But after mm. the operation, I found that I could sit like okay. that. And, it, and I was okay. I was like, huh, there's some <laughs> additional benefits that exist <laughs> now that I didn't know about, That's you know? It. So it's just that whole thing of finding little, little reasons to be grateful. And there were plenty, yeah, you know, and we yeah. always have reasons to be grateful. If we take the time to pay attention to that, yeah. you know, we've got reasons to be grateful every day, no matter what we're going through in life, you know? Uh, so yeah. It was like all of those things became little wins that I can tick off. Oh, today I rode the train again. Whoa, sure. tick, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, I mean, like, that's even speaking to me about how something so, like, mundane to many people, like just traveling, let's just say, from Kent to London and then being able to travel back by public transport, how that was such a big deal. And it is a big deal. And, yeah. but, we are often very easily take these things for granted, but they're things that we really should appreciate. So um, your story is a, it's a reminder of how we should really be appreciative, even in the, what seems to be the mundane everyday activities. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to, I was going to ask about with many, let's just call them um, survivors, like they often have um, worries in terms of it coming back, you know, like when they have their checkups, their periodic checkups. Is this something that you, that comes to your mind? And if so or not, how, how have you dealt with it? How have you approached it? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because um, when they did my surgery and they removed the tumor, I can't remember what the exact percentage was. They said we got um ninety seven percent, I think it was, of the okay. tumor out. You know, and and they said there's a little tiny bit remaining. You know, and we can't that we can't reach. However, okay. we can use chemo, okay. you know, chemotherapy to yeah. get rid of um the rest of it you know, and zap it and also potentially to stop it from coming back, mm. you know, but it's your choice. You know, you don't, you know, we, we reckon, we recommend that you do, but it's mm -hmm. your choice. But by the time they finished telling me, this was a few months after all the side effects of the possible chemotherapy, I said, no, mm. <laughs> you know, I said, I don't, I don't want that. You know, I had to be like, the, I had to be coming into the hospital every single day for like six weeks to get the chemo. Like I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to put on weight, the moods, mm -hmm. all of that kind of. I said, no, I said, and this is where my faith, this is why I say it's such an important part of my story. Mm -hmm. This is where my faith in God and Jesus Christ kicked in. I said, I don't believe that that is the will of God for my life, one. And two, I don't believe that my work here is done. So I know I'm not dying yet. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. this is like, there's so much more in me. I know I'm not dying yet. And I don't believe that living in that state is the will of God. So I believe that this tumor has been caught and is gone. Mm -hmm. Like, this is like, I am not going to do this chemotherapy because I don't, I don't want that. And I really kind of, I was fully persuaded that this thing is gone. And it's mm. not going to come back. I was and I am, you know. And mm. to this day, every time I go to my doctors and I once a year have to go and see him. Initially, it was twice a year. Now it's mm. once a year. He does the thing. They do my MRI scan. They show me the thing. He's like, 
you're good. You're great. Mm-hmm. There's nothing mm-hmm. there, you know? So that's the thing. So it has gone according to your faith. So be it, mm-hmm. you know, I know it's not always easy to do, but it's when you go through these things, it's like, is either your God is real or he's not, <laughs> you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that, yeah. that is the yeah. thing. And, and and also, if we take it away from someone who's not a believer, right? If you're not a believer and you're listening to this, you're like, but I don't have God. But what you believe can become reality in your life. Mm-hmm. What you believe and accept can become reality in your life. If you believe that your thing is coming back and you spend your time worrying about it constantly, constantly, even that very act in itself can invite it back into your life. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I know it's it might, this might be sound like I'm making it all simplistic and I know it's not simple at all. And this is a complex thing. And there's, I didn't invite the brain tumor into my life in the first place. You know, do you understand? So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what we get or don't get is based on just us, but there is definitely an element of faith where what you believe about yourself can become the reality in your life, depending on whether that's good or bad. You know, so, and I knew that for me, if I start worrying and thinking that this thing might come back, then that's what I'm entertaining. And guess what? That's what I'm feeding, Mm. you know? And I didn't want that in my life. I didn't want it to come back. I was focused on recovery. Like I said, I know I've got much more to do in this world. It's not my time yet to go. And that was where my focus was. And thank God, four years on, here I am today, still telling the story still recovering. I'm recovered, but it hasn't come back and it's not coming back. And I thank God for that. Mm. So Mildred, like all throughout, you've been really open about um, your faith, your, you know, your belief in Jesus and, you know, and how that's helped you through. Is there anything else you would say about how that experience affected your faith? Um, Like even now, back then or even now yeah yeah it's that without that faith I don't think I would have gone through this and come out roses Mm. I'll be I'll be straight up honest with you because I went through some really hard times and some low times there's even a point um after my surgery I had about eight nightmares in one night I wrote them down eight different all of them involves people trying to kill me one way or the Mm. other you know in 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 the same night it was like terrors of night mm. i there's a scripture in psalm 23 that talks about when though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death i am with you i literally walked through the valley of the shadow of death in this whole experience i was like i now get that scripture david mm. went just sitting there talking about hey i went through the valley it's like he was going through something that was so dark and so deep that mm. he felt like he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death and i could relate you know, there are some really low points in that whole journey. At, you know, I'm, I'm there waking up at 2 a.m. I can't sleep because my head is pounding because mm. my head's been cut open. It's there. Mm. And I'm, and then there's times I woke up screaming. I'm like, more, I need more medicine. The nurses have to ru- rush in and inject me with some steroids and all that because I was in so much pain and, and it was hell. There's times I didn't even have the energy to wake up. I'd be lying in bed for most of the day, you know. So, but my faith, Oh, the the what got me through this was the fact that I had faith in Jesus, and and this isn't a theory book faith. It's like literally, I'm like God, like 
what is this? You know, like how we, I was journaling, I was talking to Jesus. He was helping me to reinterpret some stuff. And that gave me the strength to come out of this. There are some scriptures that I have that are key to my life. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I'm trying to walk and my legs were there trying to collapse, I'm like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. I may not walk the first time or the second or the third, but we're going to use his legs. <laughs> you know, they will be used again, you know, so all of these things. And that's, for me, that's what got me through this. I could not other people go through their stuff and they get through it somehow. And that's okay. Everybody each to their own. But for me, without that element of a real living faith with Jesus Christ, I would not have gone through this and come out um, with the, with a, with a healthy perspective, let's just say, you know, because even after, as I was recovering, I spent a lot of time watching Channel 5 movies. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone knows Channel 5 movies, they're, the most, they're depressing and kind yeah. of like, yeah, you just sit there and eat and watch people, you know, sadness happening. on. It's like EastEnders, right? EastEnders <laughs> is just Demon depressing. Demon gloom. So all of that kind of stuff. And for a season, I'm just like feeling sorry for myself. I'm just going to sit here get out of shape and watch Channel 5 movies, you know. I've got a legitimate excuse to, you know. (laughs) But afterwards, it's like that life in me kicked in. It's like, no, this is not you. You know, this is not you. Get up. Get up out of those grave clothes, you know. So, so yeah, I didn't come here to preach, but... (laughs) (laughs) But you're preaching anyway. Preach anyway. Go with the flag. (laughs) You've mentioned at least two scriptures so far. You've mentioned Psalm 23, and you've also mentioned about, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Were there any other key scriptures to you that you meditated on, that you declared during that season, or even, you know, even now, that you link to that time? There, there There was a song... Um, okay. that got me through this and right. and and I actually when I finished after I got through the whole thing I I like every time I hear that so I have to change the station or like you know I, I, and even to the point like I, I had to blank it out of my memory because even though it got me through it mm. it always takes me straight back okay. to that hospital bed right. you know and it's this song by um the version is it's like this, oh God, the sin. It's not overwhelming love. I'm gonna remember this after this podcast. Literally I had to cast this out of my mind. But I am a child of God. Okay. And uh, oh I can't I will sing. come it with you, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna you, know hold what, back. you know what we're singing on this podcast? Because it's not <laughs> you know, one of my gifts. Okay. I said, I'm no longer a, a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'll know? put it in the show notes. Yes, that song. Yeah. And there's a particular version by this guy, I can't even remember his name, it's a raspy voice, but there was that version. That song I played over and over and over and over. I don't know why it was that song. I don't know what it meant, but that ministered to me big time in that whole month of of the hospital. So much so that it became such a part of me. I could not hear that song afterwards without going straight back into the hospital room. So I stopped listening to it for a while, you know. But it, but that got me through as well. Just those. At night time, I would play it and sometimes I'd cry myself to sleep because, you know, it was just like sometimes I couldn't sleep because it was really difficult to sleep when everything's hurting, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so there's all of that. It was just 
having that active relationship with God, journaling some stuff down. I didn't always get an answer. I didn't always hear back. Sometimes I'd write stuff and I'm like, ask God questions and I didn't hear anything straight away, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just had this peace that God was with me in this whole thing, that I was going through the valley of the shadow of death and he was with me. That was the peace that I had throughout the whole thing. I had peace, Mm. you know, that's where that came from. So, oh gosh, after all, all of, all that's happened, all that time, what would you say are the key things that you learn about yourself? I guess because wow. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there were some surprises along the way, but also, yeah, just the, there's definitely would have been learnings about you as an individual. Yeah, no, definitely. There's, there's learnings. There was learnings about me, but it, it's also on a wider um, mm. basis as well. At this whole thing of we, if if you if you were if you would have said to me, Mildred. You can go for a brain tumor. You can have like a six hour surgery, spend three days in intensive care, black out for three months, learn to walk again over eight months and drive and all of that kind of stuff. You can do it. You know, I'll be like, no way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no way. Like that. Don't, don't give that to me. I can't handle that. I'll, sure. you know, I watch these movies when they torture someone like to give up the secrets, you know, like torture. <laughs> like, and I'm like, these people are brave. The first pin they poked me, I would have given up everything. <laughs> You'd have disclosed it. <laughs> and I'm like, take it all. I'll tell you all the secrets, you know. So, yeah. It's like, but to then have gone through such hardship physically mm. and recover from it is something I knew I, I knew I had some resilience, but I didn't know just how much so I much. had in me, sure. you know, and I, and I think that's the same for all of us, that you just don't know how strong you are until you go through something that requires you to be strong, True. you know, True. so that's, that's one of the learnings. I was like, wow, that's amazing, you know. And then also what it what it also allowed me to do coming out of that is, as I said, I was kind of all go, go, you know, beyond that. And then goes like, use this time to rest. And then so it's like, how do I implement rest as a part of what I do on a regular thing? Mm. And by rest, I don't just mean falling asleep and, you know, but it's kind of one of the things is like the word is for me is like I read it in a book. Um, I can't remember what the book was, but about creating margins in your life so that you're not full on. So the idea of margins is it's like if you have a, a lined page, mm-hmm. you have this page, you know, mm-hmm. there's margins on the side. Yes. So you write in the middle, but there's space on the side. Mm-hmm. So this idea of like, uh, um, it's like w- most of us, we live in a place where we have no margins. Our life is full on. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a need, for example, we can't stop and meet that need because we're busy. We're going from this appointment to that one. We're doing this, we're doing yeah. that. That was me, busy. You know, after mm-hmm. that, I learned slowly over the years. It took some years, but I learned to put boundaries. I'm, I'm, I run my own business. So I've learned to put boundaries in my business, which allows me to have margins, you know. So it's, I don't, I don't do meetings before 10 o'clock, for example, is one of them. I don't do evening sessions, mm-hmm. you know, Wednesdays are me days I have on my own, you know, to do whatever mm-hmm. I want, go cinema if I want to. You know, Fridays are my, me and my husband, we have our date days, you know, where the kids are at school. Like that kind of thing is like putting boundaries in place mm-hmm. so that you can live life at a better quality, yes. you know, a much better quality of life. And that's one of the, the outcomes that's come out of this whole experience that I'm really grateful for as well. Mm. 
I think you've really said it already, but if you can just really share how this experience has actually changed the way that you view life now, you know, um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. It's, it's, I've always, I've always been somebody who kind of, I, I think that we laugh is too short. I always say laugh is too short to do a job that you hate, you know, so mm. I've never done a job that I hate for very long at all, really in my entire career. We spend so much of our work lives, of our lives at work. You can't afford to be spending every day doing things that you don't love, things that are not in your purpose. Okay. Is there a season where you're going to have to do something you don't like, whether, you know, to get through it, to pay the bills or whatever for a season, support your family? Yes. Okay. But that should not be your everyday forever, mm-hmm. you know? So that whole thing about, just kind of really knowing that tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. Mm. You know, you don't know. And this is not to walk around feeling paranoid, like, oh, I don't know if what's going to, I'm going to die tomorrow. I'm going to get brain tumor tomorrow. It's not that. But live life with urgency, knowing mm. that you only have today. Make So make today count, you mm. know. And then if you wake up again tomorrow, that's a fresh today. Make that day count. And mm-hmm. the day after, make it count. Don't invest time, energy, effort, resources, and things that don't have eternal value. Don't also spend your time, you know, doing things that you don't love that are not according to your purpose. Like make today count, you know. So that that's like a big message that I would love to get out there. It's so you don't have to have a brain tumor to realize how important life is, but your life matters. And today's mm-hmm. the day to start making it matter if it already isn't how you want it to be your those dreams that you're putting off for when you retire at 70 or whatever bring them forward because you might not get to 70 you know so yeah I don't want to end on a downer but (laughs) (laughs) so um let's close with this she says um (laughs) if someone's going through a similar um adversity what would you like to say to them um, cause I know you're very, like one of the things I've picked up from your post on LinkedIn is, um, how you offer to support people. If someone is going through something similar, um, what would you like to say to them that you feel could help? Mm-hmm. Yes. I did put that on the post where I spoke about the four year anniversary. I mm-hmm. did say kind of, if anyone's going through, cause you just don't know looking at someone, what they're going through or Absolutely. what they've been through, yeah. you know? So we really do have to have compassion and kindness um, towards each other. You just don't know what people are going through. So if you're going through something right now and you're listening to this, the very fact that you're still here means that you are a champion that you are a warrior <laughs> that mm. you have got this you can do this you can get through this you know there have been many many people I'm not the only one who survived something as traumatic as a brain tumor and went on to live and live even fuller you can do the same and I'm absolutely 110 percent praying for you rooting for you you've got this you can do this you know mm. so yeah so thank you so much uh, Mildred you've really been a blessing in terms of how you've freely um, spoken about your journey um, there's been no bars you know you've just given because you want to be open you want to be able to encourage others you want someone 
people you want them to really draw from your experience so that they know that they're not alone and that they could they could come out on the other side just like you have so thank you so much for that advice and that sharing thank you so much mary it's been a real pleasure yeah i'm more than happy to help i hope it has helped somebody (laughs) mildred shared a few scriptures that helped her so here they are for you to meditate on The first is Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She also mentioned a scripture about trials and tribulations, which is John chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Finally, Mildred mentioned Psalm 23, specifically verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank you for listening. Do follow and join me again next time on Mary Liar Talks. Beyond the Smile.